Welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'm a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where you don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity. Oh, yes, live and direct right now on the TuneIn Radio app. Search End of Days and you'll find the 24-7 network. Joining me tonight is Norio Hayakawa. He is a researcher, journalist, musician, and composer, and director of the Civilian Intelligence News Service. He has spent almost 10 years specifically investigating Area 51 in Nevada in 1990. He also began to investigate the strange ongoing phenomena at Dulce, New Mexico. Once again, thank you for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Feels good to be here under pale moonlight. Thank you to those listening here in America and those who listen outside of America, no matter where you are on this island earth. I really appreciate you being there with me. Tonight we'll be covering a plethora of topics with my guest Norio in regards to the UFO phenomenon that has been ongoing for decades. Since the early 60s, more people have reported not only seeing UFOs, but being taken aboard spacecrafts. Why have so many people reported on having such experiences? Many questions will be answered tonight. Now, in the second half of the program, I'll be getting to a little bit of news and some emails. Definitely stick around for that. Never forget that this is a call-in show. Just remember, before calling in, go to a quiet location away from the stream. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Now for your listening pleasure, let's bring in Norio. Norio, are you there? Yes, Michael. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you, my friend? Oh, very good. I'm so excited to be on your program again and to hear your golden voice. You have an amazing voice. Oh, thank you, my friend. I am flattered by your kind words. And, of course, you, uh, you know, Norio, I've heard you sing before. You're actually pretty damn good. Well, thank you very much. I, uh, I'm basically a musician and really right. not a singer, But uh, although sometimes I sing. But uh, my main uh, thing is to play uh, the keyboards and in front of live uh, audience. And that's where I get my uh, uh, joy. Of uh, making people happy with my music. Oh, you got some pipes on you, my friend. I've heard you do a couple covers. Yes, I like to do covers, but uh, I also like to do some original stuff. But uh, I'm excited, especially this month, because I'll be playing live music in a place called Dulce, New Mexico. Oh, yes. Is there a conference going on soon? Definitely. On June the 23rd and 24th, of this month, 
Saturday and Sunday, June the 23rd and 24th, I'll be speaking at the annual Dulce Base UFO Conference, which will be held right in Dulce, New Mexico, under the sponsorship of the Hikaria Apache Nation for a change. Very, very nice. And of course, Norio, it's been over a year now since the last time I talked to you here on the program. I believe so, Michael. And, uh, you know, I've posted a lot of new information and uh, a lot of new items of mine and uh, reiterating my position on this whole subject matter of UFOs. It's a fascinating subject matter. It's an ongoing situation. But it's very important to take a new look at this phenomenon. Certainly. And before we dive right into all these amazing topics, Norio, can you give us a little background on yourself? You have a very, very deep and interesting background, and we could almost spend nearly the entire program just talking about that. That's true, Michael. In fact, uh, I've been doing this since 1961. That's a long time ago. And ever since 1961, I have lived the, through the world of ufology right. continuously. And, uh, you know, I uh, have been studying this phenomena for really more than half of my life. And uh, I can say that this is a real phenomenon, but it may not be something that people think. Uh, and uh, I'd like to talk about this later, but of course, uh, you know, the big change in my life came towards the end of 1970s when I began to devour books by Dr. Jacques Vallée and John A. Keel and uh, J. Allen Hynek. And uh, so in the late 1970s, my whole outlook on this phenomena changed drastically because until that time, I was a tremendous believer and supporter of the physical extraterrestrial visitations by physical extraterrestrial biological entities in physical extraterrestrial spacecraft. And that was my belief until the late 1970s when I drastically uh, changed my position. And uh, I have been for the past... Uh, Two, three, four, five years, I've been stressing that this is more than just a simple extraterrestrial situation. It's, uh, it's not really a physical extraterrestrial visitation, but a visitation by a paraphysical, well, paraphysical sentient entities in this universe. And uh, I'll explain to you that in a little while, but uh, this has all everything to do with my work. For example, at Area 51 in Nevada, and my main interest these days is the alleged secret underground base in Dulce, New Mexico, which is part of uh, Hikaria Apache Indian Reservation in New Mexico. And so it's very important and I'm so excited that uh, I'll be speaking about this angle at this year's Dulce Base UFO Conference. And also at the same time, 
I'll be emceeing the first time ever conference in Santa Fe, New Mexico, a week prior to the Dulce Base Conference. For the first time in the city of Santa Fe, New Mexico, there will be a conference called Dulce Base Conspiracy Symposium, featuring three great speakers, Greg Valdez, son of the late Gabe Valdez, former state patrol officer in charge of Dulce. Right. He'll be speaking, and a friend of mine, Greg Bishop, who wrote the book called Project Beta, and also Christian Lambride, who wrote the book called X Descending. These three books are based on reality, and uh, it's not anything sensational, uh, but I believe that the, the, these are the uh, what I call a trilogy of real, real reality-based uh, Dulce books. So I'll be emceeing this in Santa Fe, New Mexico on June the 16th. Very nice. And to go back to the past for a moment here to uh, put things into context for those who are new out there. Uh, Nora, when did all this really, really take interest for you exactly? Um, did you have some sort of maybe sighting or did you have some sort of um, experience that probably shifted um, your paradigm to actually pursue the subject of UFOs as greatly as you have? Definitely. Uh, you know, I have personally not seen any UFOs or something that I could clearly say is a UFO. I have never seen anything like that in my whole year, uh, years of research since 1961, except in 1975, I was so impressed by my mother's amazing sighting of a typical flying saucer with a dome during daylight hours in the city of Yokohama, uh, Japan. That was in 1975, and uh, 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 my mother, who was a skeptic about UFOs and who used to make fun of me while I was growing up, right? Uh, you know, uh, me uh, talking about flying saucers when I was growing up in Japan, she was a skeptic, even though my father was the one who actually told me of his amazing sighting in 1947 of a greenish ball of fire slowly maneuvering uh, over the Bay of Yokohama. That was in the summer of 1947, and he used to tell us, uh, you know, at the dinner table when I was small uh, in front of my sister and my mother, but my mother was sort of skeptical about it, and uh, I was growing up, uh, went to a great school, and, uh, you know, then to high school, but uh, she was skeptical about it, and used to make fun of my interest in UFOs or flying saucers, as they were known at that time in the 60s, but anyway, uh, it was in 1975 that really changed my uh, uh, belief system, because my mother in 1975, claimed to have seen a metallic silver uh, flying saucer, a typical flying saucer just hovering silently for a few seconds over a train station in a crowded uh, street, above the crowded street of Yokohama, Japan. And I believe, I still believe that she saw what she claimed she saw. In other words, she did see a flying saucer for a few seconds, and the reason I believe her is because 
I am convinced that it was a sudden materialization of what she perceived as a an extraterrestrial spacecraft, but I am convinced that it was a paraphysical, paraphysical materialization to a pre-selected observer. In other words, it yeah. was my mother who was pre-selected ahead of time to see that thing. And I am convinced that it was not a physical visitation by a physical sentient biological entities, but a sudden materialization by a sentient parasphysical entity uh, giving her the impression that she was looking at a physical phenomena of flying saucers. Yeah, that's a pretty good explanation for it. And uh, interesting enough, my own mother actually had seen something with my father um, back where they live in the skies. And um, I do live by a base, so it could have been just one of ours. I never ruled that out. Well, there are many things that people mistake, you know, which are uh, our uh, human uh, creations. We have some amazing stuff that most people would definitely mistake for a, a, a UFO. That, we have true. amazing un, unmanned aerial vehicles or drones that are circular in shape and, you know, uh, can easily be mistaken for a UFO. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, but uh, the thing is that uh, despite that fact, people report uh, seeing humongous sized objects. I'm talking about people seeing an object the size of three or four times the size of a football field uh, slowly hovering uh, over uh, some cities or slowly hovering in a countryside. This kind of things, including humongous triangular craft, uh, you know, they have been seen uh, throughout America beginning in the 1980s when the United States was just beginning to test the prototypes of stealth aircraft, in other words, uh, you know, F-117s, uh, but uh, it had nothing to do with American technology. This was something different, and it was not from the Air Force. Yes, and uh, Norio, we'll talk about all these classic cases in a moment here, but before we do, you have uh, ran into some very interesting characters throughout your life, and one of those was a Bill Cooper. Yes, definitely. I knew Bill Cooper. I first met him in 1989 in Los Angeles when he first gave his first public lecture at a meeting called U-Form in West L.A. I was living in uh, Torrance, California, and I used to attend this forum called U-Form. <laughs> what a great name for that uh, UFO meeting. Right. It was called U-Form, and uh, a special speaker was a man who identified himself as William Cooper, and he gave a stunning lecture about the secret government and he was the first one to tie in the government conspiracy associated with UFOs. Until then, there were very, very few speakers in the UFO field, and I'm talking about around 1989. There were few speakers who associated the UFO phenomenon with governmental conspiracy. 
And uh, we were so impressed uh, by his uh, two-hour lecture entitled The Secret Government. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, just something that I never heard before uh, in which he proposed that, well, uh, there is a brainwash thing going on for the, for the past, uh, you know, uh, 60, 70 years, uh, beginning with 1947. It's some kind of a brainwashing system going on to make the people believe in UFOs and alien invasions so that in the future, the government could orchestrate some kind of a, a fake extraterrestrial event to create panic and to cause the creation of a forced global order or a new world order. And I had never heard such a thing before. And so I started, uh, you know, attending Bill Cooper's meetings. In fact, I helped uh, organize his first large-scale lecture ever, which was held in 1991, I believe, in the Hollywood High School. And there were about a thousand people who attended his first public lecture, uh, you know. And uh, so that's how I came to know Bill Cooper. But unfortunately, Bill Cooper uh, later on uh, departed from ufology, and he even invented the phrase or the terminology called ufology. <laughs> yes. Ufology. Yes. He was the first one to admit the, well, actually, he said uh, UFOs uh, research is like, uh, you know, it's foolishness. And uh, so he departed from ufology, and then later on he joined uh, the militia movement, and uh, unfortunately, he uh, he was shot by a sheriff deputy in Arizona, I think, in uh, uh, 2001. Uh, in, uh, That's true, Arizona. yes. Yes, unfortunately. So I am uh, definitely uh, interested in all of these things from sociopolitical uh, aspects. Yeah. And uh, there's meaning to all of this. And, uh, you know, it was in 1995 that I myself began to get involved in uh, the militia movement. And, uh, you know, I became a friend of uh, Ted Gunderson, who actually in 1995 stated in a meeting that uh, the Oklahoma bombing was uh, was really uh, triggered uh, by uh, uh, governmental conspiracies, you know. And uh, so I became friends with Ted Gunderson, but, uh, you know, he passed away, you know, uh, 10 years ago or so. But, uh, you know, reflecting on all these things, I, actually, I have come to know so many, so many personalities in the world of ufology. And right now... <laughs> Uh, all these encounters with these uh, enigmatic personalities oh, actually yeah. nurtured my own uh, belief system. And uh, I am now a very realistic person. And uh, yet I do believe that there is value in the study of this mysterious phenomenon called UFO phenomenon. There's definitely value in the study there's, there certainly is. And one thing I always tell people 
is if, you know, if I start off interviews talking to people that are alleged um, contactees, if, if I start off asking if they have any refutable, tangible evidence, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a very long program. And I know, I know you agree with me. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I am always interested in the culture of ufology. Ufology is part of a culture, and uh, yet the phenomenon is real, but we have to understand that ufology has become part of uh, America's uh, culture or subculture, but uh, actually it's becoming almost like a culture. And uh, it's very important to understand the history and the various belief systems held by people. Uh, there have many been many people who have actually manipulated uh, people's belief in UFOs as definite, conclusive evidence for physical extraterrestrial visitation on Earth. And people have manipulated. And so uh, what I'm talking about is the whole so-called UFO industry. The whole UFO industry yeah. has benefited from the people's unquestioning belief in physical extraterrestrial visitation, yes. beginning, beginning with the, the Roswell incident. In fact, the Roswell incident of 1947 right. uh, was so important, but it was, well, most people have no idea that there were only a handful of people who actually witnessed the wreckage or the debris field, and there were only about seven or eight persons. And uh, this Roswell incident story died suddenly in 1947, after a few days after the uh, the uh, military announced that it was a top secret. Actually, they didn't say a top secret at that time, but it was a top secret project called the Project Mogul, uh, which was part of, uh, you know, testing of high uh, reconnaissance uh, items, you know. Uh, and uh, But, uh, you know, that story revived in 1980 with the publication of a book called The Roswell Incident, which was uh, authored by William L. Moore and Charles Berlitz. See, so in 1980, the Roswell story, which was completely forgotten by people, uh, you know, after 1947, suddenly revived, and the UFO industry actually took advantage of that uh, this propagation of the alien story associated with uh, the Roswell. And it was William Moore who admitted that he was uh, paid uh, to uh, spread this information. In 1989, he admitted in a conference in Las Vegas, but, uh, you know, what happened was that nobody had any interest in the Roswell thing until 1980 when his book came out, and it was also in 1980 that William L. Moore visited Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and was meeting with another self-claimed disinformation agent by the name of Richard C. Doty, yeah, who was yeah. working as, uh, you know, Air Force Office of Special Investigation Officer in Albuquerque. And uh, so that was in 1980, the very same year that uh, William Moore and Richard Doty 
worked on several projects. And project number one was the uh, propagation of the MJ-12 documents and SOM-1 documents that uh, that is, uh, well, I'm certain, I'm certain that that was the work of William Elmore and Richard C. Doty. Uh, while they were working together for a few days at uh, Kirtland Air Force Base in Albuquerque, and Richard C. Doty also had another project that was actually the start of the Dulce Base rumors, and that was in 1980. So uh, there are very few individual researchers that talk like me, bringing out William L. Moore and Richard C. Doty, both of whom were self-claimed government disinformation agents. In other words, they were not authorized by the government, but they did it on their own and pretending to be uh, authorized by the government. And uh, eventually, eventually, Richard C. Doty uh, of Kirtland Air Force Base, uh, you know, uh, was told to leave the Air Force because of his uh, uh, problems of unauthorized uh, uh, distribution of uh, information <laughs> and causing pain and suffering and mental uh, you know, uh, destruction of Paul Benowitz. Right. And we're going to, we'll, we'll jump right into that in a moment here. And, uh, to move, to move forward past, uh, Richard Doty, I, I must say, in all honesty, I, I, it's kind of hard for me to listen to his, some of his lectures, to be honest with you, Norio. The reason is because it's all his created story, his created story. And, uh, even today, Despite the fact that Richard Doty uh, retired from being a policeman in Grants, New Mexico, a few years ago, he still occasionally appears on some programs. That's and, true. Uh, yes. Making money out of people's gullibility and talking about how the aliens engineered, uh, you know, uh, our creation and, uh, you know, and so on. It's all a bunch of BS. And uh, it's unfortunate that the vast majority of those so-called uh, UFO believers uh, have been entrapped by such disinformation as was given by Richard C. Doty, including, as I stated a while ago, the so-called MJ-12 documents and and so on and uh, and so on. You know, he worked with uh, William L. Moore as a disinformation agent. Only uh, they were agents, uh, the self-claimed agents. Yes, and that's one thing that's always really bothered me personally about the UFO phenomenon and the, the whole conference circuit. Plenty of individuals there who share their stories. I don't quite find them to be as genuine as most people um, believe they are. And I must say, Norio, the subject of UFOs and the fringe, it's always been an interest of mine. And I i remember going back to my early childhood memories that I really hated reading boring subjects. So UFOs and cryptids always sucked me in. So It's a popular topic. It's no a fun, right? yeah, it's a fun topic. And I, I've seen things myself in the sky, but I, I don't go out there and say definitely this was something from another world. I don't go around saying anything like that. The reason why, uh, Michael, that uh, UFOs attract people is because 
We're living in a society that is very uncertain, uncertain about economy, uncertain about politics, uncertain about, uh, you know, what's going on. And a lot of people need something that they want to. Right. They need something. Yeah. They need to cling on to something. Definitely. And UFOs play a very important role in fulfilling such a hunger among a lot of people. A lot of people are fed up with, uh, you know, uh, many of the uh, uh, things that are going on in the mainstream. So a lot of people uh, seem to be escaping towards, uh, you know, uh, the unreal world. Uh, And, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean that UFOs do not exist or that we are... Uh, you know, just alone in this whole universe. No, no question about that. We are, there are definitely, uh, some entities in this vast universe or multiverse that exist, even though they may not necessarily have, uh, contacted us physically, but may have contacted us uh, non-physically, in other words, uh, you know, maybe by telepathic means, uh, and so on, but, yeah. uh, we have no evidence that they have ever visited physically using their physical spacecraft of any kind. There's no proof, but yet people see things. So I'm of the opinion that in places like Dulce, New Mexico, even though they may not be any physical underground base in Dulce. I am convinced that some type of paraphysical phenomena that we don't understand is going on, in which people see things, people see uh, some flying saucers, people see some entities such as a Bigfoot on the Navajo River in the Dulce area. Yes, even today, today, yes. deny these things. Right. And there's no shortage of uh, personal anecdotes, myself included. Um, And that's really the issue of all these things. If you try to present this to someone of a scientific uh, background, uh, they'll laugh you out of the room. Definitely, definitely. But, uh, you know, what I wanted to say, which I have not said before in this kind of program, is that a lot of people think that there is a, a dark, ominous government cover-up of yes. UFOs, and there's no such a thing because the government itself has always been perplexed with this strange phenomenon. They cannot explain this phenomenon uh, scientifically, so they have never, never uh, explained it. And uh, the reason why they cannot explain this phenomenon is because this phenomenon may not necessarily be a tangible physical phenomenon that can be explained by science. And it is, uh, in my opinion, just like Dr. Jacques Vallée and John A. Kuehl and J. Allen Hynek, they have said that this may be an extra-dimensional phenomenon originating from extra dimension rather than the uh, uh, outer space, uh, you know, uh, thing. Correct. That's what I'm led to believe. Um, about these abduction abduction cases that we hear. And early on the program, um, during the intro, I was saying 
in regards of the UFO phenomenon that's been going on for decades. Since the early 60s, there's been reports of people not only seeing UFOs, but being taken aboard uh, spacecrafts. And I propose the question, why have so many people, um, why, why have so many people have reported on having such experiences? What exactly is it? Are, are they maybe perhaps, who knows, being abducted by someone else and they're being fed some, some sort of drug perhaps? You know, the, there's all sorts of questions. Yeah, the, the very important question is what is the sign of an advanced extraterrestrial civilization? Uh, you know, uh, my thing is that, uh, the, the modus operandi of these entities are very primitive. In other words, uh, according to lots of, uh, abductees, uh, they report that these entities have used, uh, you know, probes, uh, you know, probing the, uh, inside the body with uh, causing pain and uh, uh, using antiquated method to, to uh, you know, uh, do uh, uh, body, uh, you know, poking with uh, strange, uh, hurtful uh, sticks and, uh, you know, probes. And well, yeah, what, why, why is there so many probing stories that, that occur? Exactly. That's a little exactly. weird, right? And this doesn't make any sense. It's not a sign of uh, the work of highly advanced uh, extraterrestrial uh, beings, but rather it's an experience that is real to the experiencer. So correct. I I like the word experiencer because uh, it is real to the experiencer, to the subject. but it may not be a reality to a next person. Yes. Uh, and that's why I don't like to uh, debunk anybody that claims to have been abducted because the experience was real to, to that to person. Them. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And going back to what we were just talking about just now, I had a conversation with a Bob Mit- the late Bob Mitchell, rather, and we were talking off-air about abductions, and we got into a really deep conversation about the, the whole abduction phenomenon, Ed how people report being um, just seamlessly going through walls. And we talked about how perhaps the answer to that is that we're not being abducted physically, uh, our physical bodies, but through the astral body. Exactly. That's a good word. Yeah. So we had that conversation, and I thought, you know, that makes a lot more sense than the physical abduction that we often hear about. Exactly, because, you know, one thing, uh, Michael, is that the vast majority of the the world's logical, reasonable, uh, credible scientists, engineers and astronomers, you know, the scientists and physicists, they are of the belief that it is an impossibility for a physical object to traverse physically this vast universe by a machine. A physical machine. And the concept of a machine is a human concept. And, you know, our science uh, proves that it is an impossibility for a physical object to remain the same shape when they travel close to the speed of light or even half the speed of light uh, for many, many uh, light years. And, uh, you know, it's an impossibility. So, uh, you know, I'm of, of the opinion that this whole UFO phenomenon 
is uh, materialization and dematerialization by sentient entities who roam this universe. In other words, there are millions and probably billions and untold number of sentient entities that are paraphysical in nature and they are at least a third of these entities are of malevolent origin and are the ones that are causing pain uh, by, uh, you know, uh, creating the abduction experience and all these negative things. But uh, it's my belief that uh, that uh, more than half, in other words, uh, out of uh, uh, two out of uh, every three, three have benevolent intentions, and these are the ones that are not always materializing, and uh, we cannot see these entities, but I believe that these entities are the ones that protect us from uh, danger and perilous situations. And, uh, you know, I don't want to go into this kind of terminology because I may sound like a, a, like a religionist, but <laughs> yes, it's okay. I, I am very careful to use the word, certain words, because uh, the use of terminology divides people. But uh, the only thing I can describe is that I am of the opinion that there are good benevolent entities that we may not be able to see physically, but are here often protecting us from danger. But uh, there are malevolent ones also that are intentionally destroying our, uh, you know, beliefs and causing pain and suffering. And uh, so I, I hold on to this uh, thing. And this is the, the thing that I'll be talking this year at the Dulce Base UFO Conference on June the uh, 23rd and 24th, uh, you know, and I am so happy that I'll be in Dulce, New Mexico uh, on the June 23rd and 24th because June the 24th is a very important date because it was on June the 24th, 1947, that Kenneth Arnold had first seen uh, what he described as, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, crescent-shaped objects, nine of them of a Mount Rainier uh, in uh, Washington. And, uh, you know, uh, it's a very important date, June 24th. 1947. Exactly. That is actually the start of the modern era of the UFO phenomenon. Not that the phenomenon did not exist before. In fact, I am of the opinion that the UFO phenomenon phenomenon has always existed from time immemorial. People had seen some strange things in the medieval times, uh, flying shields and so on. And oh, yeah. even in the 1700s, late 1700, 1700s, people had seen uh, things that appeared to be like a crude, uh, you know, uh, airships. But and later on, uh, the United States built uh, uh, airships, uh, you know, uh, you know, 1500 years later and so on. So uh, just like I told you before, that people have been seeing strange things throughout history. Oh, yeah. And I, I, going back to the uh, stealth aircraft uh, 1980s, when the United States was testing prototypes of stealth aircraft, uh, you know, triangular aircraft such as uh, F-117 and so on. People in the back east, 
in uh, Hudson Valley of the back east in New York, they had seen actually a humongous flying triangular object the size of uh, three or four times the football field, which had nothing to do with the Air Force. And I think that this shows that throughout history, people have been seeing strange things and it, it all depends on the description of the people in various periods of history because they 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 had a special understanding of science and it depended on the you know historical era people had the different notions of technology so uh, you know in the modern era people have begun to seeing more streamlined uh, aircraft you know uh, in other words flying saucer type things and uh, yeah. yeah in early Colombian um, history there was these strange um, artifacts that look like delta winged aircraft. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, there, there have been a lot. There's of been some things. weird. There's been some weird crap, right, Norio? It, it's it's amazing. Um, it is amazing. It's yeah. good. To, it's good to be open minded, but also discern, um, you know, fact from fiction. Yes, that's right. It's very important to discern fact from fiction, and that's why I talk about. Uh, people that have caused uh, a lot of, uh, you know, brainwashing. In fact, uh, I often talk about uh, Phil Schneider because <laughs> he was one of, example of a person that uh, was deluded into believing that uh, there was a firefight between uh, uh, U.S. Delta Force and yes. alien entities Let, and let's, an base. Let, let's talk about that now. I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about the land of enchantment. Um, what is it about... New Mexico, that's just a hotbed for UFOs and other cryptids, especially around the Sandia Mountains. Well, uh, of course, uh, the importance of New Mexico is the places like Albuquerque, the Kirtland Air Force Base, which actually started in 1947. Uh, uh, the Sandia Laboratories in Albuquerque, one of the most advanced uh, defense contractors, working on a lot of great projects, uh, important projects, and uh, you know, uh, it's an ideal location for any kind of paraphysical phenomena or, or uh, uh, you know, a paranormal phenomena. Uh, you know, New Mexico has the most advanced uh, military research and testing in, in the United States. It, it's a huge area, and it, they have a lot of scientists. I mean, <laughs> there's more scientists in New Mexico per population than in any other state. Even though the uh, public's education level is one of the lowest in the whole 50 states, uh, there are still more scientists per population than <laughs> yes. anywhere else. That's funny. It is funny, and we have Los Alamos National Laboratory, which is the nation's most advanced uh, DNA research and human genome uh, research. So, you know, uh, a lot of things uh, happen here uh, because possibly these uh, unseen uh, paraphysical entities, uh, uh, yes. especially the malevolent types, can play tricks using places like New Mexico and deceiving people in places like Dulce and, uh, you know, Aztec and uh, even Farmington and other places where people have reported strange things. And in places like Dulce, still things are going on. And, you know, this is the reason why uh, I 
I actually, I don't think it's a coincidence that I'm here in New Mexico because uh, something told me. I don't either. And my life to come to New Mexico. And that's not, Norgo, that's not the first time I've heard someone say that either. That's true. That's a lot crazy. Of people who live in New Mexico came to New Mexico because something told them to move here. And, you know, that's why I think this is called the land of enchantment. And uh, it's literally a land of enchantment in so many ways. Seriously. Uh, yes, that's why I post a lot of things uh, on things like uh, Facebook, and uh, I post some beautiful pictures of the desert and mountains and, uh, you know, the beautiful skies and some amazing clouds that we see practically every day in New Mexico. I have taken some amazing pictures of a cloud that looked like a like a flying saucer. In fact, yeah. uh, I've, got a po- I've got a postcard from there that, that has a UFO cloud. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Exactly. It's a it's a very interesting location, and uh, I uh, I never get tired of talking about this kind of thing. And you know, it just I, I'm so uh, uh, I'm so uh, lucky to be here, and especially I have lots of time now to talk to people directly who have seen some strange things. And so, what else can I say except that uh, I I'm blessed in so many ways. Uh, I'm blessed because uh, I believe that uh, I was given uh, by God uh, a reason and logic uh, to discuss all these things. And uh, you know, uh, I'm not I don't want to be a religionist, but uh, I think it's uh, a destiny of some kind because I'm into this with both of my feet on the ground, yet I am very open-minded. I try to be open-minded about about reality because we really don't know the real nature of reality itself. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I, I try to be completely open-minded about all these sort of things. I myself have experienced all kinds of strange things, but I, I don't, like I said, I don't go around saying these things are facts. You're right, because uh, we don't know. We don't know. That's that's the problem. We, we don't know. Yet, uh, uh, the, it is there. Something is there. And anybody that debunks any kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, the paranormal phenomena of this kind, uh, don't know what they're talking about, because uh, this world is indeed a strange world. The universe and- is very weird, and it sends all sorts of cryptid messages all over the place, but you have to be the one to determine what those messages are. Yes, without going off the tangent, and it's very important, and uh, I'm glad that uh, since 1961, I have had so many experience encountering so many different uh, personalities or characters, I would say, in this world of ufology, and I learned so many things by getting myself involved in this mysterious field of ufology, and uh, that has really uh, strengthened my uh, outlook on things uh, while really standing on the ground with firmly with my two feet, uh, yet being open to anything. I'm with you on that one. And Norio, how do you feel about those who channel? I had a recent guest on here who is from New Mexico herself. Her name is Sue Walker, 
and uh, she claims to be contact or contacting um, ETs from the Zeta Reticuli star system. Um, what exactly goes through your head when I say those sort of things to you? Well, I can't uh, deny or can't deny. Yes, yeah. I cannot deny because it's a personal uh, thing, right? And it's not measurable by what's known as uh, scientific methodology because there's more to this world than just uh, a measurement by our uh, scientific, uh, you know, uh, measurements. Uh, so anybody that claims to be in contact, uh, that is their, uh, their uh, relationship or their uh, outlook, and uh, maybe they are contacting because... Uh, you know, even though we cannot see a physical entity, you know, there could be many, many physical, uh, non-physical entities, or I would say, I like to use the word paraphysical, because some of these could instantaneously materialize themselves and presenting them as a physical entity. So, uh, you know, who am I to say that they don't exist? So, uh, you know, even though... I say often that we have yet to have any tangible, physical, credible, irrefutable documentary evidence that we have ever been visited by physical, extraterrestrial, biological entities and physical, extraterrestrial spacecraft of any kind. And that's, I have not changed. Yeah, but well said. I also believe that there could be non-physical uh, interaction uh, from entities from another dimension that have always coexisted with us for sure won't get any argument from me there and in regards to channelers i never denied that man or women or woman rather receive almost like downloads mysteriously at odd times so in terms of of, of being open to people who are channelers or people who claim to have these special traits, rather, I should say. I never really just shut them down completely. And exactly. speaking of which, there was, you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned, um, what, what was it that you said that really caught my, caught my attention? Uh, dematerialization. There was a medium, now that I'm thinking about, about it now, a, a very known one. I think her name was like Elizabeth Hope. She had done something pretty unusual, and in front of, I think it was in front of a doctor, if I recall the story. I don't, I don't have anything in front of me, but she had done done something where she was sitting down and her legs disappeared for a while, for a couple of seconds there, and it really freaked this guy out. Her lower body basically seemed to disappear for about 15 minutes, and this was in Finland, if I recall. Yeah, her her um, lower body disappeared. Her skirt was lying flat on a chair, and this woman basically relaxed her muscles, she claims, and her her legs were gone. It seemed to disappear. Well, you know, I, I know what, what I could he really yeah. What could he really say about that? It's just it's kind of crazy. Yeah, but uh, this world itself is crazy, you know, and. Uh, that's the one word that we can say that about this world that it's just uh, there's so many things that we don't understand yet. Uh, but uh, you know, so I'm of the opinion that in a places like Dulce, New Mexico, 
there may not be any underground base there, but yet people report seeing flying saucers, strange helicopters flying around sometimes. Uh, people report seeing, uh, you know, Bigfoot uh, by the Navajo River in Dulce area. And so there's definitely more than what you can see with our physical eyes in this world. Oh, yes. I heard of an incident that happened not even that long ago. It must have been 2008. A five-year-old boy who was near the Sandia Peak Mountains, is that what it's called? Well, that uh, you're talking about uh, Archuleta Mesa. Oh, yes. Uh, okay. In Dulce area, mm -hmm. yes. Yeah, a boy was, um, I guess, hiking with his family when something grabbed him, and apparently the dad jumped on the back of whatever it was. And at this point, you would you would have to already know exactly what the hell was attacking your son. But apparently they didn't know what it was. And later on, the police kind of ruled out that it was a lion, a mountain lion or a bear or something of that nature. And the family allegedly won't talk about the incident. Well, you know, that Dosa has a population of about 3,000 people now. But, uh, you know, uh, probably about a, a third of those people have had encountered some strange uh, things over there even today. And, uh, you know, so more and more local people, uh, the Native American people of the Hikari Apache Reservation are not afraid of talking about this to the outside people. And this is the reason why... I'm excited about this upcoming Dulce Base UFO conference in Dulce in June of this year on the 23rd and 24th. And because this is a one step towards, uh, you know, uh, developing a more realistic, uh, uh, viewpoint that something real is happening, regardless of whether there's a base or not over there, that people are not afraid to talk about it. Uh, people used to be afraid to talk about it to outsiders, uh, especially these Native American folks. That's what I heard, but yeah. Because of having these conferences, I think step-by-step uh, step they are loosening up and uh, not getting afraid to talk about the experience. So I I'm really glad about this. Yeah, let, let... And I'm glad, uh, mm -hmm. Michael, uh, to talk with you in, yes. a, in a place like your uh, program so that more and more people become open to it. Oh, yeah, that that's the goal. And lots of people who listen to this program are very much open to all these subjects. Um, I'm quite surprised lots of different individuals listen to this program. I believe there's even some sort of judge who lives out in New Mexico who listens to this program. And Very good. I'm we need more. <laughs> I am always surprised when I, I hear stories of, People that I never imagined would actually even like the show, to be honest with you, Norio. I'm just, you know, anytime I hear someone likes the show, I, I go, really? You do? You sure? That, that's yes. just the way I am, though. I mean, I'm very hard on myself. Very good. And, you know, what I like about your program, I like about you is because you have a very soothing voice. And I told you before that you have one of the best soothing voice in talk radio. And I'm not kidding. Oh, my. And that is very flattering coming from you since you've been interviewed all over the the nation basically <laughs> yeah. you, you've been heard that's everywhere why, yeah that's why I, I like to talk with you on your program because it makes me feel more relaxed and uh, because of your very smooth uh soothing voice 
you know, it makes a guest feel like uh, they, they can share a lot of things. So uh, once again, uh, it was my great pleasure uh, to talk with you. Oh, yes, Norio. I, I know you have to run, but I must bring you back uh, just here for a moment before I let you go. And in regards to Phil Schneider and Paul Benowitz, um, let's let's go down there really quickly before you cut off here. Yes, you know, uh, Phil Schneider started giving lectures in 1995 among survival groups. And until then, nobody heard of Phil Schneider. But Phil Schneider had read tons and tons of articles about Dulce before that, before he started talking about it. In fact, uh, in 1989, Bob Lazar came out with a story saying that there was an altercation between alien entities and U.S. Delta forces under uh, Area 51. Correct. That was Bob Lazar who mentioned it for the first time. And uh, what happened was uh, later on, uh, Phil Schneider abducted that story and made himself a protagonist in a new, uh, you know, story. And he switched the place to Dulce, New Mexico, and he switched the year to 1979 instead of, uh, you know, 1975, when, when Bob Lazar claimed that there was an altercation. So, you know, there are people like Bill uh, Schneider who takes advantage of people's uh, claims and then makes themselves protagonists uh, in uh, creating new stories. And uh, so many people have talked about Dulce uh, way, way, way before Phil Schneider ever came to the scene. And uh, so this is an example of how stories can be created and changed yes. and manipulated, uh, you know, there's no evidence at all that there was ever an altercation between aliens and the U.S. forces uh, anywhere. There's no uh, solid evidence of that anywhere, but people are hungry for something out of this world because they need something. They need some kind of a belief in uh, uh, these kind of things to soothe their, uh, you know, appetite in this uncertain uh, world. And I agree with you on that. Very interesting case with, with both Phil and, and, and Benowitz there. It's, it's a very unusual story. And of course, I never really put too much credit into both men's uh, personal anecdotal stories, even though they had some details. That, that still wasn't something that I would actually buy into though, Norio. You're right, Dad. You know, it was uh, actually, you're talking uh, really not about Paul Benowitz, because Paul Benowitz was actually an engineer who lived uh, right next to Kirtland Air Force Base, and Paul Benowitz was convinced that there was a Dulce base in Dulce, New Mexico, after Richard C. Doty of the U.S. Uh, Kirtland Air Force Base convinced him that there was something of that thing, of that nature in Dulce, New Mexico, to divert his uh, attention away from a very important government project that was going on in Kirtland Air Force Base in 1980. Uh, so, uh, but uh, you're talking about people like Bob Lazar, who has no proof at all of any alien presence uh, in uh, Area 51. You know, I mean, alien presence can be anywhere if it's not physical. 
because, uh, you know, uh, these entities can materialize and dematerialize at will and can appear at any place, like even at Area 51, or they'll say, and trying to deceive people. But, uh, but, but for the most part, uh, there are people uh, who like to create stories uh, and possibly even being deceived by these entities to actually uh, become protagonists in uh, fabricated stories. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting subject matter and that we could talk uh, further, but I know you do have to run. So, Norio, once again, it's been an honor and pleasure to scratch your, your brain a little bit here tonight. And, of course, we'll have to bring you back on for uh, part two of this discussion. Thank you so much, Michael, for having me again. Yeah, go ahead and plug your website and the conference once more. Yes, my website is simple, noriohayakawa.wordpress.com, noriohayakawa.wordpress.com. And also, please check on Google 2018 Base UFO Conference. Just type in Dulce Base UFO Conference, and you get uh, the right uh, location, and you can get a lot of information. Also, type up uh, Dulce Base Conspiracy Symposium in Santa Fe, uh, and there'll be a lot of uh, information that you can get right away. And just also look at YouTube. Just type my name, Norio Hayakawa, on YouTube, and you'll see uh, hundreds and hundreds of fascinating videos that I have made. Very nice, my friend. Once again, it's been an honor and pleasure to talk to you, and I hope you're safe out there. Thank you so much. All right. God bless, Norio. Take care. Thank you. And that was Norio Hayakawa. Great guest. And when I return, I have some emails and some news to go over. And, of course, if you want to call in, that number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Be right back. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the program. Thanks for being here with me still. I hope you enjoyed that break. Always get lost in the music there. And, of course, we are joined by another soul. Let's bring them in. All right. Are you alive there? Yes, I am. Perfect. What's going on? How many beers have you drank tonight, my friend? Uh, I think like four or five. But they're IPAs and they're... Oh, that, that that's what counts. That's what counts right there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like eight, eight and a half percent. All right. You're doing it right then, my friend. I'm glad you've been enjoying this evening and uh, killing a few beers. I love that. Did, did you knock down a stone IPA on that break? I might have done more than one. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, sometimes you got to sneak it in there. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So how are you? Did you did you enjoy that guest there? Oh, yeah. Um, Norio is amazing. I always enjoy him. Yeah, he's fun. It's just, you know, I, I wish I had more time with him. Yeah, he um he had a bell. He's he, yeah, he well, yeah, that was apparent, but he's just a, a wealth of information, but very grounded and uh level-headed with his approach to things. And that's what I enjoy the most about him. Lots of folks out there, lots of folks that even been on uh, here, you know, I don't agree with everyone I talk to on this program. I hope you understand that part. Of course. Yeah, lots of folks out there don't. Um, I am open-minded, but I have to be a rational mind, too. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's one of the reasons I enjoy listening to your program, is it's, it, it's balanced, but 
um, kind of focused on the on the topics that I'm interested in, and, and clearly you're well versed and knowledgeable in kind of the backstory of your, a lot of your guests. Yeah, I do my research. I'm the only one here, so if I don't do it, no one else will. It's a one man show. It really is a one man army. <laughs> I really am. There, you know, there's people that listen, active active soldiers that listen to this program. You are aware, right? Yes. I always tell them if you go into battle listening to me, you'll never lose. <laughs> I get them all hyped up. <laughs> I like it. A lot of people don't even know that, but yeah, it's true. But moving on, how the hell did you discover this show, my friend? That we're hidden in some little dark corner on the interwebs. So I'll uh, I'll I'll be 100 percent transparent. I was a huge fan of uh, Jim Fetzer and nice the YouTubes and uh, you know searching for Jim Fetzer programs, and I found a couple of the uh, old shows you did with him, and it was really the first time I have listened to a lot of his interviews, and it was the first time I ever heard him do like a straight shoot about Judy Wood was on oh, your program. Yeah. And it, it got like really real. He still gets heat for and that, it, you know. It does he really? Yeah, and so do I. I have lots of her followers come on here and talk all this shit to me. <laughs> They're all angry. Well, you know, it, it's funny because, I, you know, I've read her book, Where Do the Towers Go? And and. I kind of dig what she's saying, but I, I also appreciate Jim's perspective that, you know, she she's reticent to start naming names or even trying to come up with an explanation of who did it. Yeah. And some people get really and, angry about my interviewing style. Uh, one gentleman what, had what, commented and emailed me saying I'm very intrusive. And I, I'm saying and I told him, well, this is a talk show. What do you think I have to do here? Right. Exactly. So, so after I after I heard um, your interview, a couple of your interviews with Mr. Mr. Fetzer, and I, right. I listened to the one when you had J John Lear on. John Lear with Jim. That was yeah, that was entertaining. The one with John Lear. <laughs> yeah, that was incredible. And and even uh, John Lear had to like butt in to get Jim to kind of stop his rant. He had a he, he asked him, like he had a, time to breathe. He had to check him there, right? Yeah, it was incredible. But you had, I mean, like just royalty on the program. There, it was unbelievable to me. That was a that was incredible. I didn't think I was going to pull that one off, to be honest with you. But the universe aligned for whatever reason, and that shit went down. And it was it was it was radio gold. <laughs> it really was. And and just you know, just to kind of close this out, I heard kind of both of the shoots you did on Douglas Dietrich, and I was laughing my fucking ass off just. When you were crushing his receding hairline and shit. That's so, that 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 goddamn that? that goddamn psychopath, that pathological yeah, exactly. neurological liar. He exactly. dresses he dresses in women's clothes, you know, till this day. Uh, well, that's what you were saying. <laughs> you were talking about like the guy doing like teaching kids how to do like stick fighting. Oh, that that was and his I was just laughing my ass off. That that was his uh, other friend who took great joy okay. into talking about penetrating uh, men. So, I mean, he runs, you know, he runs in, in these weird circles that Douglas Dietrich, uh, birds of a feather, exactly. right? Birds of a feather. Right. So that, that's kind of what was the hook for me to, to start listening to your program. That's a kind of a long-winded answer to your question. You know, lots of times, like I've mentioned um, in the interview here with Norio, I, I told them, are you sure you like my show? I mean, you know, lots of – I have a very interesting demographic – there are lots of older men and women who do listen, 
And I'm thinking, how, how can you listen to me? I, I go, I go, I go fucking crazy sometimes. Yeah, you have a little bit of an uncouth mouth at times, but you keep it in check when the guests are on. Yeah, I have to behave. I, I understand. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not, uh, so, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to come out on, on, on the, um, red eye at, uh, at 2 a.m. on Fox News, you know, so I don't really give a fuck. Right. Right. Can, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. So, uh, in your Twitter, profile it it says you're a 90s heel 90s instigator um, instigator right yeah what 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 brand of wrestling were you watching back in the 90s well i was watching the wwf okay yeah but i you I, know I, I was like mm-hmm. i was an ecw guy but i live on the east coast well see ecw came a little bit later for me okay i slowly discovered that um because back then do you recall the little black box of course. Well, you know, I had one of those, and that's how I learned about living dangerously. All right. Well, I was at the show. Pun uh, intended. In, in New Jersey. Pun in, Oh, you're from that area. Yeah, yeah. I was at the show. That's, um, that's cool. Oh, shit. Yeah. It, it, that really changed my life. I mean, that was kind of the, the zenith of professional wrestling, that, that era for me. That was a very different era, a man's man era, especially in, in the locker room. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, people weren't afraid to get hardcore back then. Now the shit's all softened. I know. Wrestlers were taking lines and going out there and cutting people. <laughs> yeah, if you listen to kind of any of the shoot interviews that guys from that era that are still alive are doing now about what it was really like to work in the business back then, it, 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 it'll blow your mind. You kind of it feel was, guilty as a fan. that It was some carny shit. It, it was some real carny yeah. shit, right? <laughs> exactly. God damn, if only I could have gone that route in my life just get all jacked on steroids and wrestle in mexico or something you, you know i've ran the ropes before for real yeah that's a that's a it whole feels like you've been it's you've a whole different story um, okay you know i had sue young on here i heard that interview yes she's now in tna have you considered bringing on any other wrestlers you know i have but i, I you know it's hard to really get these people to come in here. Um, take, for example, Bob Levy. I've been talking to him for yep. a while now, and he's been very hesitant to come on the program, even though we've talked on Twitter and through private email. These guys are just so unreliable. I mean, are, are you shocked to hear that? No. no. Yeah, man. I'm comedians, wrestlers, they're, they're the same goddamn thing. They're, they're carnies, you know? Yeah. Do you think it's because of the, the esoteric nature of most of your guests? Probably. They don't want to be associated with that. Yeah, there's another gentleman who is um, a very scary Canadian, and he's not afraid to get into these litigations with anyone. And he's gone up against some very scary individuals. Um, even John uh, McCain has written to this individual, and Julian Assange. And the things I've learned, um, you know, Julian is not a man to be trusted. I'm not sure if you're okay. familiar with him, but his lawyer represented. Yeah, of his lawyer represented someone very, very uh, terrifying as well. So once you connect the dots and you see who's being paid what and you follow that money trail, everything kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, but not – I'm sorry, I jumped there. My bad, my friend. <laughs> I tend to do that. No, no, you're good. I go all over the goddamn place so, here. Um, you, you seem to play a lot of music from kind of the, the 90s. Um, was that kind of the era you grew up with music? Yeah, I like lots of uh, 90s and 80s music. What was your the first show you bought a ticket for? The first show? Yeah. You know, that's a good question. 
Hmm. Not not some shit your parents dragged you to. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. The first show you went to. The first show that yeah. I actually went to. You know, I also played in a band. Played bass for a while. What? Okay. Yeah, but the very first show I actually went to, and it wasn't even... Ah, goddamn, who was it that I saw? I, I saw another... I saw a band before this, but one of the, the earliest bands I saw was... I think it might have been Leftover Crack. Another punk rock band. Yeah, a great punk yeah. band from the New York area. Of course. Very friendly guys, too. But they were one of the very first bands I saw. But there was another band before them that I went to. But I, I have gone to see Bone Thugs and Harmony as well and uh, Anaheim, House of Blues. So you cross over genres. Oh, of course. All, all kinds of music, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I can't really even listen to today's rap, though. It's been pretty terrible. I would totally agree. I'm not with it. I don't, I don't like it. Dick Smalls was down with Social Distortion, apparently, in the chat. Have you ever seen Social D? They played lots of times in the Los Angeles area, and my uncle's cousin saw them play lots of times. Very jealous. Okay. Very yeah. jealous. Great band. And, of course, um, I hope you've been having a pretty good week, my friend. It's been a tremendous week, um, especially in the media. Um, of course, we saw Roseanne this week. We watched her beg for her job. Did you? Did you? Yeah. She, <laughs> did you ever watch that show? I, to be honest with you, no. I never watched it when it was on in its original incarnation, and I didn't watch the the, the reboot. I saw the shit she wrote in Twitter. What do you think and, of that? Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not surprised that her show got canceled after she said that. Um, it's kind of. It's kind of. Uh, a taboo subject, I guess you could say. Huh? It is, you know, due to her tweet, uh, she got buried and kicked to the curb, and now she's begging and pleading for her gig back. And you know, when when the stakes yeah, are she... when the stakes are that high and the money is pouring in, you know, you become very um, arrogant. At least, right. at, at least I would be. So her arrogance probably was at an all time high and uh, an, an Ambien high, apparently. <laughs> have, you, have you ever taken Ambien before? I have one time. I have two, and I freaked out, and I started crying. Did you fall asleep, or did you stay past the, the phase where you fall asleep, and then you get really fucked up? I cried, I fell asleep, and I woke up confused. Have you ever taken Xanax before? I took Xanax and got in trouble in high school. So I always tell people that Snoop Dogg had it wrong. He said, Tangeray and Chronic, yeah, I'm fucked up now. But he should have said Tangeray and Xanax, now I'm fucked up. Zanny bars, that right. that shit makes you crazy. Yeah, exactly. The footballs, right. High school was filled with, with fun. And, uh, you know, the very first time I ate that, the teacher went nuts. And she was saying um, why I'm not paying attention to her and why am I still eating the chocolate bar. And, you know, she wrote me up. And my mom actually saw that note. It said, Michael looks spaced out. I still got that shit well, somewhere but... in my room, too. I should... I should uh, <laughs> Post that on Twitter. <laughs> you should. That was a good time, man. That was fun. I'm surprised I wasn't expelled. It was, all, <laughs> it was all legal back then, too, huh? I wouldn't say that. Ooh. I've, you paid, like, street market prices for some fucking Xanax shit. I never paid for any of those things. I had a friend whose parents were doctors. Ooh, so, even better. Yeah, I took advantage of all the fun. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm shooting straight honestly here with you. I, I love it. I yeah, love it's it. a it's an open conversation. This is when we let our hair down and be honest and transparent. Yeah, and and for the folks listening, this is totally unscripted too. Oh, of course, of course. I, I was a little nervous trying to fall in here, but 
A he dome said beam. it would be a smooth ride. It's going to be a smooth ride. And, of course, with uh, Roseanne, you know, I, I I feel it's it's a, it's a very interesting subject because when I was under all these pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals, the last thing I would want to do is get on a computer or a cell phone. So I think that's that's kind of bullshit. I think that's not really a, an excuse. That's damage control. I, I would agree with you, and but I guess in kind of I don't know. I'll, I'll say in defense of the generation of people, um, you know, I'm in my early 40s. But if I had grown up with YouTube and social media, I, I probably wouldn't be employed right now if I had filmed <laughs> all the shit I did as a kid and put it on the internet. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's true. The so, the internet is very dangerous. It truly is. And I'm not, please understand that I'm not for anyone losing their gig, by the way. Nor am I. Yeah. I believe in free speech. It's hard for me to feel sorrow for her, though, for those who receive um, various opportunities and they blow them over and over and over. And I'm speaking from my own perspective. You know, I've never had anyone help me out. So, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of bitter. You know, that's what a lot of people don't understand. I'm angry. Absolutely. So I I get, I get pissed off when I see people like her. Uh, blow these things away. Uh, it's just I see you in in a certain way that is just unforgiv- unforgivable. Uh, God damn it! I can't even talk right right now. It it's just well, you you just can't. I just don't have any sorrow for her. In other words, well, I, well, I guess I'll turn the, the 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 question back on you. In in terms of, I feel like in in numerous prior broadcasts you've mentioned right that you would have you would appreciate an opportunity to kind of either do voiceover work or voice acting. You have an incredible voice and everyone mentions that Norio even mentioned it tonight, but when uh, even maybe going on terrestrial radio, but it seems like you kind of maybe reach a point where people are, you're, you're too hot. There's too much heat around you to use a wrestling term. And it's probably because of the shit we just talked about earlier. There is he. Someone of course. Hear your, of course. Your of course. Of Of course. There so, is heat. There is heat. And that's that's the thing. Yeah. You never know when you really have heat. Um, but, yeah, it's there. Lots of people know exactly who I am. And part of it is because but, I've but trashed. Actually, because I've trashed a lot of people, too. Uh, you know, that's and, very different and from. And I respect. Right. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I was going to say, I respect the fact that you, you're willing to kind of jeopardize uh, a, a mainstream, an opportunity to kind of earn a mainstream revenue source to do what you love and to speak your mind. Well, that's what it's all about. I don't feel like selling out. I love this program, right. and I will play ball if the offer is right, but so far it's been, offers have been very just non-tangible for me at this point in time. But do you think there's a perception from those that would maybe be willing to play ball that of you're course. a loose cannon? And, of course. Yeah. I already have a bad reputation with those that. Okay. Right. So I, I've been, you know, I've, I've, lots of things have happened. I'll just leave it at that in terms <laughs> of big, yeah, no doubt. But it's whatever, but man. No it's whatever. You know, I'm having fun. Um, people can say whatever they want, but I'm transparent and most people that are popular and uh, that have popular talk shows rather are, are not at all. They're far from it. So, so if, uh, if, if George Norrie were to retire and the, and the, and the folks at coast to coast approached you about picking up after him, you would turn him that turn that offer down because it would be too sanitized. I would still, I, I could see myself doing the program, but I wouldn't 
stop doing this. Okay. If they could agree with me being a loose cannon, uh, quote unquote, then right. sure, why not? Who are maybe the top two or three guests you try to get on or wish you could get on but have been unable to? Dream, the dream guest. I'm interviewing the interviewer now. That's a hard one, though. It's a really hard question. I, I've been able to interview most people I've wanted to. And do you find it's easy to get access to these folks? Uh, not not exactly. Not not exactly. So I, I, I knew you had a show before End of Days, and I, I've never listened to that. But have, did you ever have a chance to interview Jim Mars? No, I never got a chance to interview Jim. That was someone who I would have just enjoyed interviewing, but... He was never yeah. really around, and he was always busy. I, I had a chance to meet him at a conference once, and he was the nicest guy. Yeah, he, he seems like a really nice guy. But like yeah. I said, he was always doing a conference, or he was doing this or that. So I, I really yeah. could not get a hold of him. So so there's no – I mean, it doesn't even – it can go across any genre here. There's no kind of elusive guest you've been unable to, to procure, huh? Well, not entirely. I mean, there's there's a few comedians that I I'm dying to bring on here. Are you gonna reveal any names? Well, like Bob Levy. Okay. You know, I try to bring him on here, and also uh, Anthony Cumia. Okay. Even though I don't agree with most of his political ideology, he would have been someone very inter entertaining to uh, bring on uh, bring on here. I think the uh, listening audience would agree with that statement. Right, and we were actually following each other on Twitter before he did something dumb and, and uh, got kicked off yet again. From the Twitter. <laughs> right. That, you know, that that actually begs another question. Um, well, a, a he, lost of his, people... he lost his um, serious gig because of Twitter. Oh, I, I was unaware. Yeah. So mm -hmm. go ahead. A, a number of, uh, of YouTube channels have been shut down because of their Jim Fetzer interviews. Kerry Cassidy lost basically the Project Camelot channel because of Jim Fetzer and only Domingard interviews. But your Jim Fetzer interviews have not been taken off of YouTube. Do you, do you have any opinion about why that is? Some of them have been. One of them was taken down. Well, actually, you know, two of them were taken down. I, I think they're flagged, so I, I can't monetize those. But you don't have any strikes currently. Oh, I did. I did. I, okay. I had. Yeah, I did, and I filed an appeal when I actually won. Against the robot. I won against the, the machine. <laughs> I might be the only one, though, and I, I say that often, um, but there's been lots of people who've been hit with these with these strikes, and they can't really file an appeal. They're, they're, they're stuck there, and that's what happened to Carrie Cassidy. Right. Are you worried about being losing that revenue stream, or it, it, it doesn't feel like you're doing this for the money? I'm no, like I'm not. I'm not worried about it. It's fine. It's cool. I'm. It's no big deal. There will be another place, another channel, another location for me to do this. So, can't stop me. I'll show up somewhere. <laughs> I, I'm just looking. I, I wrote down a couple of questions for you. I think I've burned through them all. What's your uh, favorite I'm Christmas a, memory? Go. My favorite Christmas memory? No, it's kind of a joke. Oh, but yeah. Go ahead. Uh, uh so. When I uh, was a young kid, I came downstairs and I found an Atari 5200 with four games under my Christmas tree. Everyone else had the Atari 2600. I had the Atari 5200, which 
was a little bit better graphic wise, but I couldn't trade games with any of my friends. Yeah. But it was a fucking Atari, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like How about that. your favorite Christmas memory? Wow. There are a number of them, but I do recall one that I, I really liked, and that was, hmm, I'm forgetting what year it was, but my father had bought me a bike that I really, really liked. Very lucky to have uh, caring parents. Like a like a BMX bike? Yeah, I, I had a GT. It was, it was a, like okay. a white one. It was like a white design with uh, red, like red stickers. I, I, I'm terrible describing it right now, but it was a white bicycle. It was really weird, actually, now I'm thinking about it. So did you grow up and live your whole life in Southern California? Sure have. Are Been you going to die there? I, I, you know, I hope. I want to. Yeah. I love this place. I love California. It's, it, it feels like it would be a mixed bag for me. I mean. Not everyone know, can handle it. Mixed. Yeah. Not everyone can, got- can handle it. Yeah, you've got, like, a pretty good weed situation, but a bunch of pussy gun rules. There's plenty of that to go around, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Can't argue that. Yeah, like, oh, I'm looking the magazines at the, have to be, like, I'm welded at, to the guns and shit. I looked up that bike, by the way. There's a version yeah. of it. It's I think it's, like, a 1998 GT BMX. Did it have, like, the, the pegs so you could stand on it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think that one did. I could be wrong, though. But it was such a long time ago. But yeah, that, that you was... Did like that movie Rad, Rad growing up? Rad? Yeah, you you must not be... I'm trying to you, remember. You, yeah, it was like in that era, those 80s movies. It kind of came out when The Karate Kid came out. Speaking of The Karate Kid, have you watched the reboot of The Karate Kid? The reboot? No. No, but I, I heard it's, it's good, though. I Yeah, I heard it's yeah, good. Yeah, it's... it's yeah. Rad came you out in nineteen eighty Rad came out in nineteen eighty six. Is that before your time? That's a little before my time, but I I looked I looked at the cover and you know, I, I might have seen this movie at one time or another. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I was born in nineteen seventy six, so that was like a sweet spot for me. Oh, for sure. But yeah, you know, I, I do recall some parts of this film. <laughs> it's pretty good film, pretty good film, man. Someone in the chat. Oh, that's that's uh, Chef is in the chat room there, and you know he mentioned Samantha B. You know I, I never yep. even knew who the hell that was until recently. Yeah, me neither. I I, I don't have cable, so I don't watch her shitty comedy show. I didn't even know she was a comedian. I thought she was some sort of anchor, to be honest with you. But I was excited when I heard um, that she threw down the cunt word. Yes, I love. You know, I love that word. Um, I will. Uh, fight for it. I mean, it's coming back. It's making a comeback. See you next Tuesday, huh? Oh yes. <laughs> but but the so, cunt word. But the cunt word. Are you offended by that word? I'm not offended by it, but it's it's mildly uncomfortable, I guess. I mean, if I'm really pissed off, if I use that word, I'm pissed. It's a good kind of like I find it funny. I find it funny when men call women assholes, but never... it should be applicable both ways. <laughs> That's true. But the con word, you know, that that's one of my favorite words. I throw that one around with many of my friends. I see nothing wrong with it. But how how do your society, female friends feel about that? Uh, some of the female friends, they they actually have used that word. To describe other females. Probably. Yeah. But most most people I've talked to, they're not offended by, by the C word. 
Yeah, it, that's probably a generational thing, too. It's, it, it's more acceptable now. It really is. It's making a comeback, but you really can't throw that <laughs> word around, though, unfortunately. Even though I love it, and I, I, you know, I try to yeah. uh, hold back using it in public. <laughs> it's probably for the better. It's probably Yeah, it's probably for the better. You know, I was throwing it around at, at a couple of malls and, and a few stores there, and uh, <laughs> the women did not like it very much. So, yeah, they didn't like that one. They looked horrified. Have you um, have you disclosed on the show what your nine to five is? Yeah, yeah, I've talked what, about what is that. It? I actually do security work. Oh, cool! Like like loss prevention? No, not loss prevention. You know that would actually be uh, fun to do. Actually, just so if I could, could take some people to the dirt. <laughs> just so I could look at monitors all day. But no, <laughs> they have me in all sorts of different locations. Sometimes in the middle of nowhere. And do you have a, um, I, I guess, just a passion for that type of work, or are you kind of it's, you just look at it as a means to an end? What's that? I said, do you have a passion for that line of work, or do you just view it as a means to an end? Yeah, I don't really have a passion. Work. I, have a, I, I don't really have a passion for it. But the people that that run it are are close to me. Okay. We're good friends. That's- so it's personal. It, yeah, it really is actually, and it's a it's a pretty good gig actually. Did you consider law enforcement? I have. If I'd go back and talk to, I don't know, the thirteen or fourteen year old Michael, is that what you would have said you wanted to grow up and be like in the FBI and shit? Or no, no, not nothing like no. that. I mean, shit, it would have been a great gig if I would have. Lots of people actually think I work for the CIA. Yeah, I hear that people. Accuse you of that. Lots of accuse you of that. Big names have actually accused me of that. It's kind of weird. I always say, "God damn, I wish I had that gig." <laughs> I wish. Plenty of money there. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I, I, it's funny. I I have a. Uh, I when I was looking at college, I, I really thought, "Shit, I want to work for the FBI." You wanted to work for. And now you wanted to be a Fed. Well, I did. You know, when I was eighteen years old and. I I was just going along in life, and uh, in hindsight, I'm so glad I never went that path. Um, but I, I could see, I can understand why people would find that potentially attractive from TV and movies and the indoctrination of it all. The X Files, you know, I grew up watching the X Files. I love that shit. Yes, the X Files. And did you watch that whole reboot there? I did, and I was blown away that they showed. Made a couple of references to chemtrails, and I was like shocked that I, that got through the I, box sensors. I lost you there. Somebody was calling in, and all sorts of things were going off here. I apologize. I couldn't hear a word you were saying. Can you hear me now? Now I hear you loud and clear. Yeah, I, I was saying that um, I was in the in the reboot of the X Files. Uh, Fox mentioned chemtrails several times, and I was blown away that Fox let that get through. But I was more blown away that they flat-out show the moon landing was totally fake, and the cigarette-smoking man was behind it all. For sure, for sure. And I, I do want to thank you for calling in here. I think somebody else wants to call in, so I'm going to let you Absolutely. go, my friend. Yeah, thanks for Have calling a good in. Night, Michael. All right, take care, buddy. Bye. And now the line is actually clear. Go ahead and call in, um, Shafis, if you did want to call in. That number is uh, 760-332-8724. Go ahead and call in. Don't be scared to call in. Now, as I wait here, I did receive an email this week from a gentleman by the name of Robert Sanders. 
Mr. Robert Sanders indeed. Apparently he's a friend of Robert Morningstar. Sent me a long email here and some link to YouTube. Apparently it's him playing guitar. And it says special effects by Robert Morningstar. 100% ownership and control of subject song guaranteed with my sincere intentions of supporting and reinforcing your vital and important messages of true freedom. And he goes on to grant me permission to play this song. So what I'll do before I close up here is I'll play that song. I guess I'll move on for a moment here. I do have to take a quick break. I'll be right back, folks. Stay tuned. And welcome back to the program. I believe Chefist is here live and direct with me. What's going on, my friend? What's going on, man? How you been doing? Good. Surviving out here in the desert. Try not to die. Oh, shit. It's been hot as shit how, out here. How hot was it there today? Oh, man. It was at least 100. Yeah, it's about the same here in Tucson. Yeah, but the That's... humidity is, is what kills me. Oh. Uh... That's the problem. You had George Norrie on the first hour? George Norrie? Who'd you have on the first hour? I didn't have George Norrie on the first hour. Well, I thought it said George. Norrie Ohayakawa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not George Norrie. <laughs> you thought I had George on? I seriously did. I I did. I thought you got George on. Isn't I'm he? like, how did I miss that? Isn't he doing like a conference right now or something? Well, I mean, he was. You know, he was on the other week on that other place. You know, I don't want to, you know, mention it. You know, it's your show, but what other place? Yeah. Uh, the Belgab place. You could, you could say that. You could say anything you want here. Okay, well, I didn't. You know, yeah, it's your show. But. That's cool. And um, so yeah, and he's going to be back on, and then the new host is going to be on the the Gabcast thing here, uh, here in a couple of days. And so I thought maybe you had George on, which would have been nah. cool. No, I you know, I haven't talked to George in a while, actually. Well, he was on with Jimmy Church uh, two weeks ago, and I think you and I talked about that wonderful contact in the desert incident two years ago <laughs> where Jimmy Church was at uh, delivering and broadcasting his show from a folding table in front of a public restroom. I remember. Yeah, he actually was. Yeah. <laughs> My God. How far he's come. I know. You could be in front of a public restroom at Contact in the Desert one day and be a nationally recognized broadcaster the next. Isn't isn't that funny? Oh, oh shit. But I mean, oh. I mean, there there must be people out there who would like him. No, I mean he's not necessarily disgusting. I mean, he's, he's not, not disgusting. Be- That's hilarious. He's got that going for him. Yeah, you know what he told me at uh, George Norrie's mixer, like uh, last year or so. A mixer. Yeah. <laughs> get get this get get this get this man. I'm standing there with with um, some champagne, and I'm next to Tom Danheiser and George Norrie and the guy running uh, the Conscious Life Expo. Right. <laughs> you could you could only tell how awkward that was. I have no I'm, idea. I, I'm living a conscious life. You're alive and you're cognizant. Yes. No well, shit. Like, oh, thank you. That's that, all of us. You, you should see this. You should see some of the people that walk around there. Yeah, exactly. They're not necessarily conscious. I don't think they're conscious at all. <laughs> so it makes sense, right? Oh man. But here, no. here, here's the weird part, though. Here is the weird part. As I was exiting the uh, 
the little mixer there. I was saying my condolences to several, uh, several individuals there in the room and I saw, uh, Mr. Jimmy Church. He was uh, talking to, what's that lady's name? Laura Eisenhower? Yeah, that's her name. He Laura was, Eisenhower? They were both talking and, you know, I went in there and I said bye. Uh, to Jimmy there because I we you know we both acknowledged each other there as I was leaving so of course I was going to say we're leaving oh yeah I was just going to say you know I shook his hand and said goodbye and and he's like oh fuck you yeah he's like fuck that guy oh, <laughs> no actually he Sorry, uh, I forgot about the cursing I, I did that's okay it's okay don't worry we could be naughty here and um <laughs> and anyways he he randomly goes um. Uh, my, Michael here, he, he's such a good-looking guy, right? And he said that to Laura Eisenhower. As soon as someone says that, I kept thinking, like, "Fuck you." I kept thinking, <laughs> I kept thinking, um, uh, do we know each other that well? Yeah. Hey, I got a good-looking guy right here. You just sound like a slime ball. Yeah, we were. Yeah, he said bye, and Michael uh, forgot what else he said, and then he randomly threw that in there, and I just thought, "What? Where'd that come from?" <laughs> We've only talked hey, like. We've only yeah. talked like uh, we we've only had talked like once before that. Jesus. So like when you meet the random people at contact in the desert, and once again that's the name of the show, not necessarily what you may or may not be doing after the show. <laughs> <laughs> so discreet contact in the desert, that'd be great. Like the nighttime after hour show, discreet contact. In the desert. You know, I really wish you could go out to one of these things, Chefus. <laughs> I want you to go. I want you to go to one of these conferences and do a live show there. I would just say my name's White Crow. Yeah, say so your name's White Crow. <laughs> I, George Zenda. Uh, you know, apparently he was at some conference that I was at, and he thought oh. I was. Yeah, he thought I was going to fight him at that conference. <laughs> I, he I, <laughs> who who put that in his head that I was going to go and fight some elderly man? In his head. Anyone associated or even posted a post ever on Belgab is his enemy. Jesus. <laughs> I just thought, I just thought, really, man? Come on. Oh, Come on. I'm going to no, go and know, fight you. I was calling you up tonight because, you know, um, you know, on Belgab, we got a diverse political group. I know you're not a Trump guy and, and you know, you don't like the guy. And uh, it, it stems from just it, it really stems from the whole reality star thing. You know, I don't like celebrities. And he was one of those who was in the well, forefront. You know, that makes more sense because, you know what, I watched, honestly, I watched the first season of Celebrity Apprentice. Right. Because it was new and whatever. And then I didn't watch it again. Yeah. And didn't really care. And. And so I never really hated the guy, but I wasn't like, oh yeah, I love the guy. Well, I don't but, hate the guy. I don't. I don't hate him. But for me, a good example, and there's a lot of people like this. I grew up even since I was in high school. I knew our trade policies with the rest of the world were were wrong. They needed to change. The yeah. reason why our trade policies were there were a lot of countries that were devastated from World War II and devastated from this thing and the Soviet Union, and we had to give them kind of a little break to get them jump-started. And so we, what we say is, okay, we'll buy your stuff at zero tax. You can tax ours going in just to give you a head start. Well, the point is now the head start's over, and you got to kind of pay your own way. And I knew that years ago. I mean, I, I 
kind of steadied this for a long time. And this was the first guy or woman, whatever, that came in and said, you know what, you know, the free ride's over, your economies are going great, you got to pay your fair share. And so for me, it wasn't if he was the perfect politician, uh, you know, said everything right, uh, gave the perfect speech off the teleprompter. That didn't matter. It was, it was about the policy. And so that's true. That's where it came in for me. And especially when it came for jobs for the U.S., because I knew a lot of those jobs were shipped off because there were some greedy motherfuckers here. They just didn't want to pay more for stuff, and they were fine shipping those jobs overseas and letting our people just go on welfare. And those were not just Dem- – they were Democrats and Republicans, both. And uh, this was the first guy to, to kind of step up and stand up against them both. Because remember, there's a lot of Republicans who don't like the guy. That's and true. So, he's yeah, done He's and, done good for the country. I'm not going to lie about that. It's yeah, just, and so – Right, go ahead. Like with the Roseanne thing, I would never – ever say anything like Roseanne said. You won't call a black person an ape? No, no. Ne- of course not. Never. Just like I would hope you would never call a woman a cunt. That's too uh, late for that. See, there, there's the problem. It's too you late for that. I've used that word plenty of times. Exactly. That's the problem. The cunt Especially word. If, if you get to a certain level, then, you know, if if no one knows who you are, then it doesn't matter, which makes sense a little bit. So like Roseanne, she's big. They had this new big show come out, and then she gets cut down to size. Yeah. And so you hear it ever. This Samantha, they're calling, her name is Samantha B. They're calling her Samantha C. Now. Ooh, Samantha C. Now, <laughs> that's funny. Which is pretty funny. And I never even but, heard of her before. It's so but funny. That's the thing. She wasn't, is of course, as big. It's like who is that? Like, um, she has a talk show. And it's on Time Warner, Time uh, Warner Network. You know, all this time I thought she just worked for CNN or something. No, it's like a Time Warner show. Someone will say, it, I, is it HBO or Showtime? Because originally, ori- originally, Sheffist, I thought that's what the, the whole outrage was, that she was like this TV anchor that just dropped the cunt word out there, and everyone went crazy. Well, no, the thing was, she was well-known enough in the political scheme that she fucked up immediately after Roseanne fucked up. Yeah, it was. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, so, like if this happened a month later or two months later, they would have jumped on it, but it wouldn't have been as big, big a deal. Big a deal. Yeah, I, I hear you uh, on that. I hear you on that. And it, then it comes back to where you can't even, at this point, many people can't even sit in a, the same room with people that disagree on policy. That's the that's the difficulty that we face today. It's the paradigm has definitely shifted in the political spectrum of America here where if someone finds out you are not on their quote unquote team, uh, they'll just want to attack you in any way. And there's certain people that are so like involved with politics that it ruins things they watch on television um and movies. They want to politicize everything. Exactly right. The way it used to be in the U.S., it really did used to be this way. You could be friends with a, fam- of course, family member or a friend who was on either side of the political fence. Now that's gone away, right? It, it, unfortunately, for a certain percent, yes. Some percent, no. Like I have a sister. She's, I don't know, she hates Trump. Where she, she I would say, she'd probably be happy if he died. 
That's and dark. That's that's a little that's, too dark for yeah, me. Yeah, correct. That's dark. But I would say I think she's probably there, but she's still my sister. Well, of course, you you can't just I love her, right. and I'm you know, I'm never gonna you know, and even her son, who is a um, retired army veteran, uh, my nephew, who really is only five years younger than me. Um, he and I are kind of close politically, and even he uh, just brushes her off because you know what, family's family, and uh, you can have your opinion, and and then you just you know shut down because it's your family. Love is more than that. But I think there's a certain percent of the country where it's not getting that way. Where they're not, yeah, man. It's 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 a scary thing to see how some people just get so crazy with this shit. Well, unfortunately, I don't want to get to where we were in 1860. I don't want to get to 1860. I don't either. Where, shit, remember, there was a four-year period of time, 1861 to 1865. Remember, there were only like 80 million Americans in the whole country, 1861 to 1865. More Americans died in our Civil War than all our other wars combined. All of the wars. That's because a wild we couldn't number. get along. Because we couldn't get along. And shit, I, I hope we figure figure it out. Yeah, we gotta move past all that. I mean, I never I never liked uh President Obama. I never liked Hillary Clinton. I didn't I didn't want him to die. You know. It, 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 or I didn't really even say anything about them. <laughs> yeah, that's cold. <laughs> Jesus. That's Christ, pretty cold. You know, one thing I did, well, one thing I I saw recently was uh, Kim Kardashian having a meeting with Donald Trump. Uh, that's one thing I never thought I'd ever say in my life. Right, and a good example is like CNN. There's that one reporter there, I forget his name, Acosta or whatever. He had an interview with a a, a star that went to talk about prison reform with Obama. And he told him, oh, it was a great meeting. Oh, when are you going to run for office? Oh, it's wonderful. That's great. You met with President Obama about prison reform. And then he, this week he said, why is Kim Kardashian even there? It's ridiculous. The same reporter. Really? Yes. I mean, it is interesting, though. It is a Kardashian uh, family that I despise. So, you know, anytime they go around, man, I get a little worried. Well, I mean, so <laughs> what you're saying is it's okay that the other – guy who's another rapper oh not that's not what i'm saying i'm just i'm blaming it on, on kim kardashian merely <laughs> how can you blame her because she's kim kardashian that went to go visit obama I, because i i have no um i don't even know what rapper went to go visit obama to be honest with you uh chef is <laughs> i really don't Wh which rapper was it jay-z no it was here i'll bring it up was it puff daddy was it Busta Rhymes? <laughs> what you're saying is you don't even want to accept that. No, I'll accept it. I, the exact I, same thing happened, but the same reporter acted differently because it was a Democrat in the office. And yeah, not. I, I know what you're saying, but I, I wasn't even aware of this, to be honest with you. Well, yeah. Well, no, and you're not like going to so see long, that it was so long, CNN. Right, it was so long ago. I'm like, who went to the White House again? Well, I know, but that's the thing. The point is, is it's. You know, equal treatment under the law. And there's double standards, right? Right. I hear and you. So, you know, it's uh, for those of us who pay attention and, and kind of want to know on either side, you know, whether it's the right misbehaving or the left misbehaving, 
you know, what's going on. And the thing is, can you still be friends at the end of the day, at the end of the night, when you have a conversation? Even if you had too much to drink, can you still be friends and say, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? You know. Right. Of course. <sighs> of course. I wanted to get to the point where we can't do that. Yeah, the the point where we can't have civil conversations is troublesome, especially today. You have all these strange um, right-wing wackos out there. And on the <laughs> left. And on the left. Don't get me and wrong. And on the left. And, they're, on, they're the left. On and, uh, if, and here's the thing. If you don't accept, even if you're on the right or left of the fence, whatever it may be, if you don't accept a certain percent are whacked out. They're really whacked. Body, it's hard to have a dialogue. It really is. And and it doesn't help that there is a congressional candidate in Virginia who is admitting he's a pedophile. That's Nathan Larson. Self-admitted, by the way. Pedophile? He's a pedophile, and he says it. He, That's right. And, and he's, the, case law, the state laws, remember, many people don't understand that. If it's not written in the Constitution, each state can make their own law. That's the way it works. Yes. I just, so if... Mm -hmm. Like a driver, driver's license, right? So, you know, how do you get a driver's license? Well, you have to be a citizen. Well, no, it doesn't say that in the Constitution. So some states say, well, you're not a citizen. It's okay. You get a driver's license. You can vote. Or, you know, other states say, well, you need to prove you're a citizen. You know what I mean? Those are the two dichotomies. Yes, and I'm not going to read more into uh, Nathan Larson. There's some really sick things about this guy. But if you okay. want to know about this um, this gentleman here, look up the name Nathan Larson. It's, really uh, it's no, pretty awful. Think, why would a political party have to fall to a candidate like this? You can't find anyone else. You know, you can't find anybody. Seriously. The librarian to run for office. You can't find this guy. That's or, what and, worries and, me, man, that there's people right. – that, that's what worries me, that there's people like this on both sides. Yeah, on the right the same way. It's like why do you find this nut job that I don't know what, what they believe in, but it's crazy, and that's the only candidate you have? <laughs> you know? The reason times. why is most sane people don't want to run. Well, why so wouldn't like, why you? Yeah, why yeah. would you want to run? I mean it's a crazy right. gig, your whole personal life under the microscope, and I say this all the time. But Chef is, um, again, man, it's like I, I see these people who get these grand opportunities and, and they piss them away like the gentlemen, uh, multiple gentlemen over at Fox. You know, they were doing dumb shit, man, and, and they lost their gigs, too. And I know we're all human, but I mean, you got to have got some. Matt Lau but on the left, you got Matt Lauer, Charlie Rose. Them, too. I'm telling you. Yeah, on both sides you got it. And then you got these people, and this is what has it's confounded me my whole life. My professional life, I've, I've always just tried to treat people as well as I can. I would never, ever think about even having a girlfriend or a wife or a yeah. relationship company I worked at, let alone Oof. using my power to try to, uh, I don't know, control these women in order to have sex and so uh matt lauer or bill o'reilly or whatever i i just i would never imagine that would be possible i just always figured i'd be sued into oblivion exactly and these guys and like i said the stakes are at an all-time high and you just want to piss all that money away and send dick pics to one of your coworkers. you never dip right. your pen in the company ink 
well, you got the 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 ultimate, of course, is the casting couch and the Harvey. Oh, yeah, I, again. There's a bunch of freaks all over the place. My goodness, here in the in the universe, and another freak uh, is that Johnny Depp. I'm not sure if you saw photos of him. Did you see that pic? You saw? I thought, holy I thought he was shit. transitioning. I thought he got thought AIDS. He, he looks like an Sorry. AIDS patient. Jesus Christ! What the hell happened to him? I don't know. He looks like an AIDS victim, though. Man, I mean, the only person that you can get an insight on Charlie Depp is your buddy. What's his name? The Lost Boy. Charlie Sheen? Yeah. He, he looks like boys. he looks like Charlie Sheen. Oh, you're talking about uh, Corey Feldman. Yeah, not not. I'm not saying Corey Feldman is at his level, but maybe he has some insight. He probably what does. The hell, what the hell's going on with that guy? I don't know, but Depp looks really bad. He looks like, like I said, he looks like an AIDS a victim. It's really scary to see that face. It's 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 terrifying. It it really is terrifying. It's not a role like oh I'm in a new movie about an AIDS victim. He's not doing that, is he? I, I... By the way, this is just merely an opinion. It's not an actual fact that uh, Deb has AIDS. By the way, just to no, it's an opinion. I know uh, what you mean. I'm just saying, is it a role? Is he? I don't want to have a lawsuit on our hands here, Chef. Is... No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, is he? A role as a cancer victim. I don't know. Uh, you know, it might be a role he's playing. Uh, his life has taken a spiral out of control, though, these last couple of years. Man, yeah, it has. And, well, there was the physical violence against a uh, – the alleged physical violence against uh, – The alleged. Girl. Yeah, man. That Johnny and, Depp, living, living the wildlife. Living the wildlife. You know, one of the best videos ever, go on YouTube and look up Ricky Gervais and Johnny Depp. It, it's just wonderful. It's gold. Yeah, because he slams him at a Golden Globes, and then he does a skit with him later, comedy skit, where he comes into his office. And <laughs> you got to look it up. I'll have to research that one. And the chefist, we are almost out of time here. All right, thank you, Mike. But, but chefist, before before I let you go, my friend, I'm just curious, what what kind of subject matter do you actually like listening to? Ah, well, me, it's true crime. Ah, true crime guy. Big one, true well, crime. Check this out, chefist. I'm glad you sent that because this is a good uh, segue. Uh, to what I was going to say at the end of the program, I'll just say it now. I was actually going to do a show about Heaven's Gate. I found a professor who is well-versed in the subject. Wow. And you know what? I'd love that. I've done a lot of research. I lived in San Diego when that happened. No shit. You were there in that area. I was there. I was there for Heaven's Gate and the guy that um, stole the county bus. That went on that rampage, driving the bus through the neighborhoods. I don't know if you remember that one. I do. That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was there both those. That's crazy. I didn't even know you were out here at that time. I was. I was working in Escondido. Mm, beautiful place. That's my, that area is my home away from home. Yep. Love San Diego. Good friends there. Yeah, you got to come out here sometime. You know my area. I am, brother. I'll be back there. Um, I, I, you know what? I might actually be there in a week or so. So we'll look each yeah. other up. Let me know. All right, man. All right, buddy. It was nice talking to you. You too. Have a good night. All right. Take care. All right. God bless. Bye. Bye. And there goes Chefist, the great guy. And if you enjoy this program and want to help fund 
this show here, please feel free to donate any amount. Go to michaeldeacon.com. I'd appreciate that greatly. Tonight's been a bit of a rattlesnake, hasn't it, boys and girls? I hope this evening has been entertaining for you. I bow my head in respect to all of you out there listening. Always an honor and pleasure to do this once again. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Yeah. Not bad of that. Yeah. Not bad of that. You invented the Illuminati. Guess what, motherfucker? Oh. Oh, crazy? What the fuck? I don't know. Am I? Are you calling me like a crazy? Huh? You got beautiful eyes.